0: a school shooting in texas has tragic similarities to the deadly rampage in florida more than four years ago after parkland florida passed a new gun law and efforts to protect schools are they safer now this is the florida roundup from wlrn public media in miami and wjct public media in jacksonville i'm tom hudson my co-host melissa ross is off this week Jared Moskowitz was a leading voice pushing for the changes to Florida in the aftermath of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. He will join us this hour. And then Politico calls it the slow boil of election officials in Florida. What has them so steamed heading into this summer's primaries and the general election this fall? Join our conversation statewide. Call now, 305-995-1800, 305-995-1800 on the Florida Roundup.
1: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com.
0: Welcome to the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami. My co-host Melissa Ross is off this week. It's been four years since a gunman killed 17 students and injured 17 others at a high school in Parkland, Florida. Next month will make six years since a gunman killed 49 people and hurt 53 others at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. In the past two weeks, two other mass shootings, one killing 10 black people in Buffalo, New York, the second killing 19 children and two teachers in Texas, has thrust gun violence back into the political arena. There was no material legislative response after the Pulse nightclub massacre regarding guns. After the Parkland school shooting, Florida lawmakers did pass a change to the state gun laws, poured millions of dollars into school security, and led to a red flag law allowing judges to take away someone's guns under certain circumstances. We begin this program this week talking about Florida's response to a school mass shooting four years on. What's changed? What hasn't? What lessons still, can still be learned after the Texas tragedy? What's security like in your child, your grandchild, niece, nephew, cousin, school, gun sales, background checks, mental health resources, ammunition, early warning systems? What is the approach to address mass shootings and overall gun violence? 305-995-1800 is our statewide phone number to join our conversation live on this Friday afternoon, 305-995-1800. You can also send us your thoughts on Twitter. Our handle is at Florida Roundup. One response in Florida after the Parkland tragedy was a focus on school safety. A law passed in the wake of that shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School requires school districts to have a safety officer at every public school. Chief Edwin Lopez oversees the nearly 500 police officers in Miami-Dade public schools.
2: Whether it's active shooter training, active assailant training,
0: or mental health training, our school resource officers are equipped with the necessary skill set to really work collaboratively with the school administrators, teachers, and staff uh, to really address concerning behaviors a school resource officer failed to stop the school shooting in Parkland, and there are questions now about how law enforcement responded to the school shooting this week in Texas. Gregory Tony was appointed sheriff in Broward County by Governor Ron DeSantis after the governor removed the sheriff who oversaw the response to the school shooting in Parkland. This week, Sheriff Tony said he was frustrated by the lack of legislation to prevent gun violence. We have members in Congress who have absorbed the shootings going back to Sandy Hook.
2: And yet nothing has changed.
0: Tony says he supports universal background checks for people buying guns. Now, Florida lawmakers may take up an effort to expand gun laws in future legislative sessions. In April, Governor DeSantis made this pledge.
2: Well, the one thing that I wanted the legislature to do, and I think we will do it, I I don't. I can't tell you exactly when, sure. but I, 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 I'm pretty confident that Uh, I will be able to sign a constitutional carry in the law. Again,
0: Again, that was the governor in April. Now, constitutional carry is shorthand for allowing people who legally own a gun to carry it in public, hidden or in plain sight, without any additional permits or training. 305-995-1800. Again, our phone number, 305-995-1800. One of the architects of Florida's response in the weeks after the Parkland school shooting was Jared Moskowitz. At the time, he was a Democratic state representative whose district included Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He's a graduate of that school. Today, he's a Broward County commissioner, and he's running for the United States Congress. Commissioner Moskowitz, welcome back to Florida Public Radio. Thanks for your time today.
3: Tom, it's good to be with you.
0: I wish the uh, topic was uh, something uh, better, but it is uh, in the news here, certainly, and you did play a pivotal role in the response after Parkland. Are schools safer in Florida? because of the uh, changes that were made
3: yeah tom you and i've been talking about this uh, a long time Uh, i remember coming on and talking about this in the wake of the shooting but Mm -hmm. the answer to your question is yes schools are safer as a result of the law we passed uh, in florida we raised the age to 21 to buy any gun in the state of florida from 18 we mandated three-day waiting periods we instituted red flag laws those red flag laws, Tom, have been used fifty eight hundred times in the last four years. If one half of one percent of those we uh, worked, we'd be preventing twenty five parklands, hmm. uh, and then we put hundreds of millions of dollars into mental health and school resource officers. So the answer is yes, kids are safer than they were before parkland.
0: Are there still lessons to be learned in Florida? from the tragedy this week in Texas?
3: Well, unfortunately, I think what we're starting to see as more information comes out is the same mistakes that were made in Parkland were made here in Texas. Uh, You're talking about the SRO in Parkland.
0: The school resource officer, security resource officer, SRO.
3: Yeah, stayed outside the building in Parkland. It still infuriates me. And That seems to what happened here uh, in Texas, that the police stayed outside the building. That is not the training when it comes to a mass shooting. And so, look, there's a lot of details we don't know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information that still has to come out in Texas. But let's be clear. In Broward County, the sheriff, the, the SRO who didn't go in the building is gone. The sheriff is gone. And the school superintendent is gone. So you want to talk about failure? There was massive government failure. The FBI had two hits on the shooter in Parkland and did nothing about it. So when government fails in that sort of way, it can have a massive uh, – it, it could add to the tragedy. Uh, and uh, you know we'll wait for more details to come out in Texas, but there are signs that are eerily familiar – to what we're seeing in texas that happened in parkland
0: that's focused on the law enforcement response an important focus certainly it was a focus uh, post parkland it will be and should be a focus as you mentioned here in the uh, texas tragedy there are familiar calls today for gun legislation and school security calls that uh, echoed uh, certainly here in florida uh, more than four years ago after parkland echoed perhaps differently in florida than they are echoing in texas today the texas governor Uh, Greg Abbott has dismissed calls for gun restrictions in his state. Florida has been a gun-friendly state, passed that age restriction that you mentioned, uh, Commissioner Moskowitz, and okayed $400 million of school security. Listen back, uh, Commissioner, to how you explained this to me six weeks after the Parkland shooting.
3: There were enough members of the legislature that were impacted by the idea that this happened, a Sandy Hook sort of event happened in the state of Florida. I think they were impacted by the students coming and talking to them.
0: I had asked you about what were the circumstances uh, in the politics and in the policy that provided for the opportunity for a legislative response. Are today's circumstances any different?
3: Well, I mean, Tom, the circumstances were the worst they could be. I had a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and Rick Scott as governor, who nobody has ever confused with being a a moderate or a liberal. The Senate president, the Speaker of the House, Rick Scott, A-plus rated members of the NRA. The former NRA president of the country is the chief NRA lobbyist here in the state of Florida. What was different? There were a lot of factors. One was the parents that crisscrossed the country, the students that came up to Tallahassee. But I also brought Republican leadership to the school. I made them see what it looks like when a school has bullet holes through the window, when backpacks are piled up outside, when homework is scattered in the parking lot, when you look down the hallway and you see blood against the wall. And I said to them, this has to be different. It would be too easy. It's just, it's easy to do nothing. It would be easy for you to issue the response that many people expect you To issue but what if this time you showed them it could be different and i said you got kids this is parkland this is the lowest crime city in the state of florida if it can happen in parkland this is coming to your neighborhood and i along with others worked very hard used every relationship every tool every lever uh And thankfully, they listened. They did listen. Look, there was more I wanted to do. I want to ban assault weapons. I wanted to get that in the bill. But I will tell you, the things that we got in that bill, Greg Abbott can do. And he's dead wrong for not trying to do it. Because it is saving lives.
0: We're speaking with Jared Moskowitz, former Democratic State Representative of Parkland, a Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School graduate, a congressional uh, candidate and uh, current Broward County commissioner. Uh, I want to ask here, uh, Commissioner Moskowitz, you are running for Congress, and the U.S. House passed two background check bills last year. One would close the loophole, allowing for gun sales if a background check is not completed within three days, and the second would expand background checks for all gun sales, including gun show sales. Do you support these proposals?
3: I do. Yeah, I support uh, H.R. 8. I support uh, the red flag laws. Uh, I I support uh, banning assault weapons. Uh, But I also support the idea of not not the perfect being the enemy of the good, meaning let's get what we can get done right now and then continue to fight for more. We have to do something. Tom, I continue to think about Parkland. I think about it every day i think about being in the room when the parents were told where their kid was in the building i didn't hear crying i heard screaming it haunts me i think about the fact that we can't promise parents in this country that when you drop your kid off at school you get to pick them up what a failure of all of us that we can't deliver that promise to parents
4: commissioner and i think
3: about that I think about that Jen Guttenberg, Fred Guttenberg's wife, Mm -hmm. was with my four-year-old around the corner from Douglas, who was in preschool at the time. They went into lockdown. She put my kid in a closet and was keeping my kid safe when her daughter was killed. My four-year-old, he's now the age of the kids that got killed in Texas.
0: You mentioned the uh, red flag law that was approved passed, put into law, and implemented here in Florida after the Parkland tragedy, uh, leading to more than 5,000 cases of law enforcement being able to take away uh, guns or weapons from those, with a judge's permission. It's been used, as you mentioned, thousands of times here in Florida. Would you support a federal red flag law? Yes,
3: I support a federal uh, red flag law. Uh, In fact, there were Republican senators that proposed that. Uh, in in the wake of Parkland and other shootings. Uh, and so, look, there's not one solution. It isn't just a single point of entry. It isn't just raising the age to 21. It isn't just red flag laws. It isn't just background checks, right? But it is all of those things together. But we got to at least start making progress. Here is what I can guarantee. And you know this, and I know it, And everyone listening knows it, that if we continue to do nothing, this is going to continue to happen. It's some high school in Parkland, then it's an elementary school in Texas. Soon it'll be some school in New Jersey, it'll be some school in Maryland, it'll be some school in Louisiana, it'll be some school in Illinois. This is coming to every neighborhood. And until we act as the United States, the 50 states, rather than piecemealing it, We're not going to solve this as a country.
0: Jared Moskowitz, uh, former uh, Democratic State Representative, current Broward County Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Moskowitz, thanks for spending your time today with us on Florida Public Radio. Thanks, Tom. We will be hearing from a Republican senator, state senator here in Florida in a matter of moments. We want to hear from you, though, 305-995-1800. You can also send us your thoughts at Florida Roundup on Twitter. Jamie, Sent us this tweet, implement a heavy tax on all gun sales. Use the money to hire and station security officers at every entrance to every school. Install metal detectors at each door, too. Uh, Jamie writes, my kids are more important than my guns. I'd support and pay a tax. At Florida Roundup on Twitter. uh, Mitchell has been listening in from Palatka. Go ahead, Mitchell. You're on the
5: radio. I've been saying for quite a long time that the real real key to destroying uh, uh, the access of, of this sort of thing to the mentally deranged is the control of the ammunition. If you forced everyone that is buying ammunition to turn in an empty shell uh, matching what you're trying to buy, it would so confuse these uh, would-be uh, uh suicide that they would uh, forget about that kind of thing. We need to put uh, um, markers uh, on every center fire shell in such a way that it can't be removed without opening the shell that indicate where the shell was bought and and who bought it so that every single time somebody's killed with with a center fire shell, they would be traceable to the person that bought it and where it was bought from.
0: Mitchell, we got the idea there. Focus on the ammunition. Trace and uh, register ammunition is Mitchell's idea. Uh, Manny Diaz Jr. is with us now here on uh, the Florida Roundup. Uh, He is a a state senator and soon-to-be education commissioner. Uh, Senator Diaz, your appointment effective June 1st. Thanks for uh, spending some time here with us today. Much appreciated.
6: Thank you for having me. My pleasure to be on with you,
0: Senator. What are the lessons for Florida schools in the wake of the Texas tragedy this week?
6: Well, un- unfortunately, when you have these incidents, it-, it forces you to self-reflect. And again, the good thing about Florida is since the tragedy at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, the legislature has continued to continue to review and look at how to improve the, uh, the legislation and the laws that have been passed, including this past session with a more unified system statewide of training and procedures. And I think that the lessons, uh, the main lesson is that obviously it brings back, it brings this issue back to the forefront because with COVID, we've had a a myriad of other issues that have been at the forefront. But the good thing is that the legislature has kept uh, its eye on the ball and continued to push forward And we're in a much better place than we were, obviously, before the Parkland tragedy uh, here in Florida now.
0: One change that was made in Florida after Parkland was the creation of the Guardian program, allowing school employees to carry guns on campus after receiving training. What has the adoption been like for this program in Florida?
6: You know, despite the, the, the fear that was going on when that was being debated, what we have seen is that, that it's uh, it's been an effective way to assure that we have somebody responsible and trained. And that the training, I think, is the key piece to that because it was glossed over a lot of times in the debate of the requirement for the personnel to be trained and not only in gun safety, but in the ability to respond to an active shooter. And it has allowed for us to augment forces, especially in areas, uh, in rural areas, where there may not be... The number of law enforcement officers or the distances between mm-hmm. campuses are greater. Obviously, when you have metropolitan areas and you have some of our school districts have their own police force, that makes it easier, and the density makes it easier for coverage with these schools. But one of the things we put in place is having a law enforcement safety officer at each campus. Right. I,
0: I according to the Department of Education's website uh, today, 45 counties in Florida have approved. Uh, uh, the guardian program. Do you know how many guardians have gone through the training and are were eligible, for instance, as this school year wraps up to uh, carry a firearm on campus?
6: I don't have the updated numbers on that, but uh, what I do know is that you've seen a kind of a, a stabilizing uh, force when it comes to the the fear that initially existed and, and that a lot of the districts have seen the value in being able to augment the force. Now, a lot of them have used... Um, retired law enforcement mm-hmm. people who have law enforcement training right. and additionally go through the guardian training and i think that's very that's been very effective in augmenting the force and and providing these districts the ability because you know with the shortage of employees we faced also shortage of law enforcement officers for a period of time yeah. and having to augment the force it, this is uh this has been uh you know
0: helpful senator diaz stick with us here we're going to take a short break continue the conversation with uh, senator manny diaz after this support for the florida roundup comes from abc fine wine
1: and spirits florida family owned and operated since 1936 and a proud supporter of public radio abc fine wine and spirits always be
0: celebrating We're back on the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami. Thanks for listening. My co-host, Melissa Ross, is off this week. We're talking about the response four years ago to the school shooting in Parkland, Florida, in light of the school shooting this week in Texas. Senator Manny Diaz Jr. is with us, current state senator and soon-to-be education commissioner, commissioner here in the state of Florida. Uh, Senator Diaz, uh, tweet uh, from Dan uh, says uh, experts say we can prevent school shootings by building social emotional skills like conflict resolution, stress management, and empathy for classmates. Uh, Dan asks, any move on the part of the Department of Education in Florida to allow social emotional learning in math textbooks? This was a story from uh, you know several weeks ago, of course, when uh, the Department of Education, prior to you coming in. Uh, was uh, rejecting several math test- textbooks for including, among other things, uh, social-emotional learning.
6: Yeah, and I think, look, the, the mental health component of, of our schools needs to be done through the mental health procedures, through the mental health structure that we have in our schools. I think it's a separate conversation from math books, and those those type of things that we have continued to push after Parkland especially – With making sure that our students and that the the mental health professionals that are trained to deal with that are the ones in, in the right place, both with the referral system, both with the team approach to making sure that our students have mental health services. That's where it should be located. That's where it should be focused.
0: So no change in approach that you anticipate under your leadership with math textbooks and the criticism from the agency regarding some that were submitted for curriculum that included social emotional components
6: no math books need to be about math and that's why we have different components and again it is important that we have our mental health professionals working with our teachers and with our students on on implementing those strategies to deal with the issues that come up at every school
0: senator we spoke with you in late april just several weeks ago when you were first nominated as as education commissioner i want to listen back to something that you said when uh, we asked you what your top priority was
6: Number one thing is here we're facing a teacher shortage and there's an issue with recruitment and retention.
0: The teacher shortage you identified is that big priority for you as you uh, are the incoming commissioner in the department of education. How does school violence like what we've witnessed in Texas affect teacher recruitment and teacher retention?
6: I think without a doubt, it's it's a component that will affect uh, those people that are looking to come into into the profession. And that's why I think we the legislature will continue to review um, the school safety legislation and laws that are put in place so that we can put continue to refine the systems that we have put in place to assure not only the safety of our students, but the, the safety of our teachers coming into the profession that are in these buildings.
0: The dean of Florida International University's School of Education asked in an editorial that was published this week in the Miami Herald, should we add firearm training to FIU's teacher preparation curriculum? Uh, how would you respond to the dean's question?
6: You know, that's that's a a difficult question, because the way that the the Guardian program was set up, it was set up so that you have um, people identified by the superintendent, by the school districts who are capable, have the temperament. And, you know, those people on the ground know their their staff best. So I don't think it would be necessary to do it in college. I think that's something that would be done at the district level and in conjunction with the Guardian program. To make sure that the, number one the person has to be identified to be suitable for the job and number two the person has to receive the proper training so i think that's that part is best left to the professionals that are running these programs of training and after the after the, the people have been identified
0: you uh, your uh, will be uh, come the uh, education commissioner june 1st uh no longer a state senator Uh, However, the governor has talked about what he calls this constitutional carry idea, uh, open carry uh, or concealed carry in public with no additional permit after a gun purchase. If you were uh, going to still be in the state Senate in the next legislative session, if a piece of legislation came up like that, how would you greet it?
6: Well, I've, I've been, I'm have i supportive of the Second Amendment, but I won't be there to, to see that because I'll be in a different capacity. Right. But would but you I support that, that kind
0: t- of permitless I, or constitutional I, carry? It,
6: it, it Look, it all depends on what the bill looks like. And I think there's factors that have to be put into that. But I am a proponent of the Second Amendment.
0: Senator Diaz, thanks for your time. Always appreciate you taking some time out to speak with us today.
6: Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too,
0: sir. 305-995-1800. Sophia in uh, Fort Lauderdale. We want to hear from you. Go ahead, Sophia. Sophia in Fort Lauderdale. Are you still with us? We will hear from Vicky in Fort Lauderdale next. Go ahead, Vicky. You're on the radio.
7: Hi. Good afternoon. Um, good. Yes. Good afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I have a. I had three things that I wanted to say. Um, but I want to specifically. Um, kind of respond to what um, Senator Manny Diaz was saying. Um, You know, that, and what you were discussing, that SEL program, that social-emotional learning, Mm -hmm. which Governor Ron DeSantis is also trying to get rid of, that is something that has existed for many years, and there are many professionals in our educational system using that program to help the mental health of the kids. Social emotional learning is critical, critical to implement in families, in our jobs, in the regular, in the the written educational system, in the oral part of the educational system, with teacher interaction with students, yeah. with all of the people involved in our education. It is important. I found, um, I found a chart on that in a high school where I was helping after hurricanes uh, several years ago. And it is something that every school should have and it should not be negated. And I am very disappointed and angry that somebody who is going to represent us in the educational system is not going to support this. And this is a red flag. Those red flag laws that you're talking about need to be applied to our senators, our legislators, and we have to listen carefully to the details and read between the lines for what each of them is is saying and representing. Now, my point that I was originally going to call in for is to Vicky. One, pardon the interruption, the please.
0: Question please question uh, we want to hear them, but I want to get to some other callers. But to go ahead, please. And vote. One more time, please.
7: To learn your facts, your numbers, your your the, yep. the names. Connect the dots to teach to in your daily conversations with people about information. To not be afraid of voicing your concerns, to counter disinformation in local Spanish radio stations hmm. like Radio Cambia and Actualidad, hmm. and to vote. Update your voter status, m- register people to vote by mail, get yourself, and get your voters to the polls.
0: Vicki, appreciate your, uh, your voice there from Fort Lauderdale here on the uh, Florida Roundup. Let's hear from Sunrise. Joanne on line five. Uh, go ahead, Joanne. Nice to hear from you.
8: Yes. Hi. Good day. Um, one when someone's buying you know purchasing a gun for you know their own protection etc they go through the normal channels and and 99 they do not have any ill will right so the background check will work for them but what about those getting illegal guns what do we do about that i hear a lot about background checks what do those background checks entail because this 18 year old apparently got the gun legally and we find that when they go out and commit these heinous acts they did go through a background check and and they bought it legally so two fronts what do we do about those trying to get the legal gun mm-hmm. and apparently the background checks are not working because they're getting these guns legally You know, and then they're committing these acts. So, what exactly do those background checks entail? We hear a lot about it, but nobody says, you know, step one, two, three. What does it entail? Because they're either got it flipping through the cracks or something is desperately wrong. Thank you,
0: Joanne. We appreciate you from Sunrise and thank you for uh, uh, asking those important questions here. As the conversation uh, about guns, about mental health, about school hardening, about response in our communities, our our state and our country will continue uh, regarding gun violence. The election season will be a season of firsts for Florida. It is the first statewide election since the legislature passed new voting rules, the first for a new election police unit created by state law and the first for Florida's new election's chief, Secretary of State Cord Byrd. This week, Byrd did not directly answer when asked if he believed President Joe Biden legitimately won the election.
1: He was certified as, Stevie was certified as the president, and he is the president of the United States.
0: There were irregularities in certain states. But what I'm concerned about is I'm the Secretary of State of Florida. I'm not the Secretary of State of Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or Arizona. That's up to their voters. Florida's new Chief Elections Officer met for the first time this week with the 67 county election supervisors ahead of the August primary and then, of course, the general election in the fall. Gary Fineout, political reporter for Politico, is back with us here on Florida Public Radio. Gary, uh, always great to have you share your reporting with us. Uh, How did that qualified answer from the new Florida Secretary of State about the election of Joe Biden go over with election supervisors?
2: Uh, well, uh, you know, it was a, that was during an availability with reporters mm-hmm. that was uh, w- which was held shortly before he actually talked to them. Uh, he he didn't make he didn't say that uh, to the group when he addressed them uh, in his speech. Uh, I would you know, there were uh, I think there were some supervisors who when told of those remarks, I mean, they weren't you know, they weren't thrilled with the, with the comment. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, I mean, that said, I didn't, there was the supervisors I talked to, there was no one who was outwardly critical of, uh, of secretary bird. I think that they're sort of, you know, trying to figure out, uh, what the relationship is going to be like in, in the, especially yeah. in the run up to the election, because they, they had a good relationship with, uh, the former secretary, uh, Laurel Lee. So I think they're trying to, I the sense that I got from the ones that I talked to, you know, was that they're, they're, they're waiting to, to see what happens.
0: And and what are they, how do they characterize it now? Uh, secretary of state bird comes from the Capitol. He was a state representative a Republican state representative before governor DeSantis tapped him, uh, earlier this month to, uh, fill in that vacancy at the secretary of state level. So how would you, you know, what's that early relationship like Gary?
2: Well, um, you know, apparently he did meet uh, uh, over the weekend. He met with uh, Wesley Wilcox, who's the supervisor of elections uh, for Marion County, and who's the uh, outgoing president of the state association. And he met with Mark Early, the supervisor for Leon County, who's the income president. And, you know, uh, Mark Early characterized it as a, you know, frank and open discussion that they had with him. And, you know, he, he said he was optimistic um i know that uh, alan hayes who is a former republican legislator from uh, lake county who's the supervisor in that county and 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 alan hayes who's been very outspoken that at least in florida there was no problems with the election in his mind uh he he has said he's hopeful that bird coming from a legislative arena coming from the policy arena i think his hope is that well it might have it might be good to have somebody in the secretary of state's position Hmm who sort of has a relationship with the legislature Hmm. Uh, because, because I think the last couple of years you, you you at Hayes, especially who was a former, you know, very conservative Republican lawmaker. He's gone up there the last couple of years and has basically said uh, that things that the legislature has done. He's just, he's, he's, he's kind of blasted them over it. Just Hmm. said that they were not needed unnecessary is going to cause problems. Interestingly enough, this past session, uh, they passed another election bill and and the initial version Hayes just said was going to create confusion mm-hmm. and voter chaos. And what's interesting is that the part of the bill that he was most objecting to, they actually uh, took out and they agreed to do a study instead of, of just going ahead and putting in the law.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of changes. Uh, Gary, Finout with Politico with us. Gary, standby. want to remind folks that you are listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public <laughs> Radio. When voters do vote this summer, there's going to be that new elections police force unit. The new department will investigate election fraud complaints. But some voting rights groups are pretty nervous about the potential for intimidation. Listen to uh, Gadsden County Commissioner Brenda Holt. Gadsden County is a majority black county.
8: The term elections police is intimidating in itself Because the citizens don't know if there are going to be officers at the polling place, Uh, there are several things they do not know about this this process.
0: Dr. Lana Atkinson is with us now, director of Florida State University's Leroy Collins Institute. Dr. Atkinson, welcome to Florida Public Radio. What's the intent of this election police force?
4: Yeah, we we don't know yet. Um, It's uncertain. Uh, We have, uh, I think, a place for thirty-one positions or something like that. So there's a lot of Boots to fill, so to speak. Um, We don't know what that's going to look like. We're in a wait and see pattern.
0: Well, as you you wait and see, what, what considerations should there be for how the agency operates and approaches this first primary election since its founding and first general election coming up in the fall?
4: Well, to follow up on the remarks of the legislator, I think that that's really important that we not see, you know, a presence of the police, for example, in the precincts. Um, I don't think that would be very good for uh, turnout or just sort of mixing things that we shouldn't be mixing. Um, But there's no indication at the moment that that's what is going to happen. So we're not uh, clear what those people are going to be doing, whether they're just going to be investigating um, questions that people Mm -hmm. bring before them. I mean, certainly if we look back to the last time anybody put in a sort of election police force, the closest thing would be Bush in 2004 he had a special force to in the DOJ to look at department of justice. Uh, yes. And he couldn't find any. So that's where, that's the last time, that's the last time that went somewhere Yeah, and that didn't go anywhere. And so
0: Gary, let me bring you back into the conversation. We've got about a minute left before sure. break, but we're going to continue after that break. How do the election supervisors, how are they talking about this new elections police unit?
2: Uh, you know, it's, a uh, i think they're again they're in a the wait and see i i did want to add that there were some interesting things that uh, secretary Byrd said about this new uh, uh elections police this office of election crimes and security he said that some of the things that he wanted them to do one of the things he wanted them to do is he wanted them to investigate allegations of threats against election supervisors hmm. that was one of the things that he he told them point blank he says we need to get to uh, to check into this uh clearly you know Voting fraud is apparently going to be part of the part of the mission, but he also bird also mentioned that he wants to look into allegations about uh, petition signatures that were Mm -hmm. were falsified and things. So there's some of the things that he 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 kind of threw out there. I would what I would dare say is I I think the size of the the unit, you know, approximately 15 and one in the Department of State and then another 10 in the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Not really going to be able to, you know, go monitor polls (laughs) and and be at polling places and stuff like that. Uh, If you look at the way that they've set it up, it's more like they're going to handle complaints. And then they but they are going to also do some independent inquiries. They have both powers.
0: Gary, stick with us. Gary, find out with Politico. Dr. Lana Atkinson, director of FSU's Leroy Collins Institute. Want your phone calls about voting in Florida? 305-995-1800.
1: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can visit 125 stores throughout Florida or shop online at abcfws.com.
0: Welcome back to the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. Thanks for listening and supporting public broadcasting in your community. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami. My co-host Melissa Ross is off this week. Talking about voting in Florida, the primary still months away, certainly, but boy, there's going to be some changes for voters. Some of those include changes to vote by mail, changes to ballot drop boxes, changes to putting new restrictions on voter registration groups and increased penalties for voting crimes. 305-995-1800, our phone number, 305-995-1800. You'll find us on Twitter at Florida Roundup there as well. Gary out with Politico still with us. Dr. Lana Atkinson, director of FSU's Leroy Collins Institute, also along with us as we navigate some of this new water for voters and uh, voting reform. Uh, Gary uh, had reported on Florida County election supervisors uh, meeting this week for an annual get together. How are the election supervisors preparing for and implementing some of these uh, more uh, specific changes regarding the process of voting vote by mail changes and uh, ballot drop box changes, for instance, Gary?
2: Well, uh, you know, it's uh, interesting. Um, I, 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 I haven't done a, a full survey of all the, uh, Sure. The supervisors on this, but, 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 but no, but this is what's some interesting thing is you've heard, you've heard some supervisors, I think in particular, I recall hearing uh, some comments from uh, uh, the Broward supervisor, uh, Mr. Scott. Mm -hmm. I think that what he talked about doing was actually going out and establishing permanent branch offices in different parts of Broward County, that that was one of the things that he was talking about doing. Uh, I think maybe that came up in testimony in the trial and, and the reason he was doing that is so that he could justify having drop boxes uh, because you know they, they tightened the law yeah. in regards to where the drop boxes could be and how they could be located. Well, there's ways to work around it, but it just requires you're gonna have to set up a permanent office and you're gonna have to spend money on it and things of that nature. So I, I guess you have some supervisors who are handling it that way. Uh, it, it's important to remember that there were some supervisors who kind of were handling drop boxes the way that they thought the legislature intended it or at least the way the secretary of state initially interpreted the law, which was that you, you, they had to be, they had to be supervised. You know, that was a big, that was a big point of contention. To, to the, you had to have eyes on the them? box.
0: You had to have eyes on the right. box. Right.
2: Correct. You had to have eyes on the box and you, and, and everything like that. So, uh, so for some places, I think in some counties, so I think that's not going to be a big change. Now, I mean, there were those counties though, that, that were, were allowing the drop boxes to remain, you know, as long as they had a camera on them, they were they were right. allowing them to stay uh, operative all night. Obviously, that won't be the case uh, uh, going going ahead, unless of course something. I don't think anything's going to happen with a lawsuit. I mean, I think the 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 Eleventh Circuit basically yeah. they lifted the injunction.
0: So yeah, the lawsuit was the lawsuit against these voting reform uh, measures that were passed by law. Initially, a federal judge uh, put a stay. On implementing these changes, and then that stay was overturned, and those changes are being implemented and can be put in place at least right now, according ah. to the uh, the appeals court. Dr. Atkinson, let me ask you uh, because critics have argued, uh, even during the debate of these reforms, and certainly afterward with filing a lawsuit, that these changes negatively impact Black and Hispanic voters. How?
4: Well, I mean, theoretically, it can affect any particular, any person or any group of people who would have a harder time getting to those locations to to drop their ballots off. So, for example, if you were working during normal business hours, perhaps your only time to drop the ballot off would be in hours when there isn't anyone present. And so that might affect certain groups of people more than other groups of people, Um, And that might limit their opportunity to place their ballot into uh, a deposit box.
0: Sam is Uh, listening. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. No,
2: I was just going to say that there was testimony during the trial in which the people who had sued had had presented evidence suggesting, look, there was a great uptick in the use of mail-in ballots uh, by uh, minority voters uh, in, in the 2020 election. And so they 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 looked at the, the and they looked at who was using drop boxes and where those drop box locations were. So the argument at least made in the lawsuit was this will negatively impact minority communities because they were heavily using these drop boxes and using mail-in ballots in the last go round. Now of course the last go round was during the middle of a
6: pandemic.
0: And uh, the pandemic, of course, still continues, but uh, right. Uh, much different situation here in the uh, summer, coming up the summer and fall of 2022 versus what the uh, conditions were like, the health conditions were like in the sign the, the the ability of medicines and, and other kinds of uh, mitigation measures regarding COVID-19. Sam listening in in Daytona Beach wants to talk about the Dropbox. Go ahead, Sam. You're on the radio. Yeah.
5: Uh, yeah. Um, best thing, let it keep the Dropbox that they had before and just get police to monitor them. That's all. Simple. Why remove something that was working all these years, you know? Simple.
0: Yeah, Sam, Sam's Fix in Daytona Beach to keep the drop boxes, uh, but then have law enforcement monitor them. So, Gary, those eyes are on the, those drop boxes. Hey, did that enter into uh, any of the debate and consideration?
2: Well, actually, there was, there was a lot of debate and consideration. And one of the things that I think that uh was there was conversation about who should be supervising these these drop boxes Mm -hmm. and i think you had a lot of pushback and i think it was eventually taken out of the bill the idea of having any law enforcement being used to monitor the drop boxes because i think i think there was a concern that that would have a chilling effect on certain people Mm -hmm. if there was a law enforcement person present right next to a drop box so the people who are supposed to supervise the drop boxes are employees of the supervisors of
0: elections we are talking about uh, elections in the process and uh, voting reform measures that will be put in place the next time you vote in Florida, in all likelihood, in the uh, August primary, certainly, and in the general election coming up in November. Three zero five nine nine five eighteen hundred. If you've been voting in municipal elections, maybe you've already seen some of these uh, uh, rules, some of these being uh, implemented in your community. Three zero five nine nine five eighteen hundred 1800 at Florida Roundup on Twitter. You're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. Let's hear from Paz in Fort Lauderdale, who's listening in. Go ahead, Paz. Thanks for calling. You're on the radio.
7: Hi, good afternoon. Um, these These same laws are existing. These same laws that are cutting uh, voting rights exist in Georgia, exist in Texas. Harris, I think it's Harris County eliminated um, like 80 percent of their drop boxes, and they are the biggest county in Texas. And so it really does impact minorities. But. It can be anybody. It can be white people who are poor. It could be black people who are poor. Um, The reason I was calling was not specifically because of that, but that is important to remember. And so who is being targeted is important to understand and know. Um, Our governors need to try to help people vote. That is the whole purpose um, for voting in the United States. We cannot go to what's happening in Cuba, in Nicaragua, in Venezuela. We need to expand voting privileges, expand voting access to everybody.
0: Paz, I appreciate and that is you. Called
7: sunshine as uh,
0: well. Called sunshine, yeah. Something certainly Florida uh, knows something about. Paz, appreciate you putting voice to that in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we did see elections in Georgia, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere in states that have implemented similar types of reforms. Doctor Atkinson, any lessons learned from those primary elections that we've seen over the past couple of weeks in those states for Florida?
4: And they've gone really, really well. I mean, we've had just incredible turnout in Georgia, for example, just off the charts uh, turnout for their primary campaign. So the changes did not affect access at all, as far as we can tell.
0: And Gary, any talk uh, from the uh, county supervisors as they look to their um, their colleagues in other states, how, how some similar reforms have been implemented and practiced during uh, during a, a live election?
2: Uh, at, at least this week, I, didn't, I, I did not catch uh, a lot of conversation about that. I mean, I think that uh, I think there's still to see how things are going to turn out with everything from uh, the way they're going to do canvassing and the potential challenges to to some of the additional requirements for uh, vote by mail. Um, I, I just I, I don't I, I don't have a sense that they they have a they have a good feel yet. I mean there have been municipal elections which's right. been which has occurred but of course we really have not had a big election yeah. since the both level of these reforms and the first test will be the primary but of course the the real test will be the November election when we would anticipate that you're going to probably have I would imagine at least 50 60% turnout yeah, uh, for a midterm
0: we're about 90 days or so away from the August primary maybe a little bit less than that gary is it is it normal in in this kind of process to be about nine three months away from an election and have the election supervisors be openly questioning with so much uncertainty about process and implementation of some of these uh, rules that the legislature's well, put in place?
2: Well, I think uh, there was a lot of questioning last year, <laughs> the first well, round. I was sure. I, I was I was at the supervisors' conference a year ago, and they were uh, very much. Sort of agitated about some of the stuff that was going on, and and uh, they were less so this time. I think, I think a lot of it is they're just trying to focus on getting ready. Uh, everything. I mean, obviously, as you point out, they've got to get the. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest things that's been sort of potentially upsetting the apple cart uh, heading into the uh, into the primary was what's going to happen with the redistricting and the maps sure. and, and whether or not there was going to be any, especially for those supervisors on the northern end of the state yeah. uh right now the status quo the map that was passed is in place so i you know i mean you know i think what they're doing now is they're focusing on making sure I, now what i haven't heard and and frankly it's something that i have to i have to check into probably in the in the near future is i have i have not i did not get a chance to talk to them about how poll worker recruitment is going on yeah that was a big that was a big problem yep. in the last yep. election yep. and so that's a question is are they going to have the staffing in place right. uh, uh to be able to have them to, to be able to conduct the elections I, I think that will be a big test
0: yeah G- uh go, gary go we, ahead. we we we, we, we got to say thanks and goodbye but you're self-assigning yourself uh, more stories here as, as we're talking uh, about voting process that's the way it works when you're a, a political animal and a political reporter gary fine one of the best in florida and nationwide with us from politico dr lana atkinson thanks for sharing your perspective as well as the director of florida state university's Leroy collins institute dj thanks for your time today
4: Thank you.
0: Our program is produced by WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville, WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz and Natu Tway are the producers. Catherine Hobbs, the associate producer, director of radio operations in Miami, is Peter Meritz, technical director Richard Ives, engineering help from Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels, and Josh Torres. Elliot Rodriguez answers the phones. Theme music from Miami jazz guitarist Aaron Libos at AaronLibos.com. I'm Tom Hudson.
1: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com.